The following program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Not an episode yet. The Lou Down, the long-form podcast, is just gold. You want to check some of those episodes out as well. But the phone lines here this morning are open at uh, 7 minutes after 11, so let's get it happening. You have pain concerns, health concerns. That's why the show is here. That's why we've been doing it for years. So reach out and at least get some answers off the hop. 416-870-6400. Ready to rock and roll. Dr. Lou, a nice Saturday morning. Blue skies. What's up with you, pal? Hey, John. I'm doing well. How are you? Awesome. Loving it. Loving it. Let's get yeah. to, uh, Let's get it started. What do you got for me? Let's do that. I'm going to throw a curveball at you. You and I are texting back and forth, and you're asking me, what are we starting with? And mm-hmm. and I say, let's go with the pain and injury because I'm tired of the COVID topic. Uh, and yeah. you and I are texting some more, and I'm starting to get heated. So I think let's start a little bit with the COVID topic because yep. there's a couple things that um, this week for me were an example of why we're getting out of hand. And so, and here's the perfect example. I, I, I um, A friend of mine, was uh, in close contact with three people that had COVID, okay? And yeah. so I was talking with him, and I'm sort of inquiring, like, you know, were these people, did these people show up to wherever you were, whatever? He's, he's a very, he has a big social network and things like that, so he's always around people. I won't mention who it is. But anyways, he was saying that three people in the last, like, two weeks have been in close contact with him. And so I sort of said, you know, these people, were they asymptomatic or when you saw them, like, he's like one person, like, showed up and and um, and they actually had complete loss of smell and they couldn't taste food. And and as soon as he said that to my friend, my friend was like, whoa, like, got up and was like, hey, like, that's a symptom of COVID. You need to go get tested. And the person was like, oh, really? When tested, sure enough, um, that person was positive. And, and each of the stories is very similar to that. I won't get into it. The reason why I bring it up is I'm not really sure why if anybody has any symptoms that are out of the ordinary, why they feel that they should be going places to put people in danger. Right. And that's why I wanted to bring this up. And, and, the, and my friend did the right thing. He stopped going everywhere after he got tested, made sure he was negative, all that stuff. But the people that he was around, these were all people that had some type of weird symptom, whether it was something like that, a loss of smell. Another person complained of complete body ache and, like, fever. Um, another person had, had a slight cold, and they thought it was just a sinus thing. Like, I, I just – I can't comprehend in my head, and, and I'm, and, and I'm going to get a little bit – you know, emotional around this in terms of being heated, it doesn't make sense to me why there are people out there that if they feel anything, just don't be around anybody. There were a few weeks ago, around the middle of September, I woke up, I had a sore throat and a slight runny nose. I was pretty confident it was nothing major. I was 99% confident. That didn't mean that I said, ah, screw it, let's go be around people. I canceled everything. I stayed home. I booked the time to go get my COVID-19 test, I went to go get a COVID-19 test. It came back negative. I waited till I was symptom-free, which only took a few days, and then I was back at my regular life. And that's yeah. the right way to do it. So I'm not really sure why there are people out there, and, and this is so frustrating, that have even what seems to them like they're going to say, oh, it doesn't seem bad. It's, I've had this cold before. You don't know. Not everything with COVID-19 is a hospitalization. A lot of the times it's a very mild type of presentation like a cold, thankfully. 
But that's why we're seeing these numbers rise, John. That's why we're hearing just before this show is starting that we've got, what, close to 1,000 cases. The, The reason is, is because people, the people out there are doing the wrong thing, and I'm calling them out on it. If you're listening and you're one of those people that's, you know, woken up with a sniffle, a slight sore throat, had a weird, another weird thing like a loss of smell or a loss of taste or anything, and you didn't do the right thing by, you know, not going anywhere, quarantining, uh, monitoring your symptoms, going to get a COVID-19 test, you are the reason why we are in the situation we are. And because of those people, we continue to see more and more shutdowns. And so the, the effect on what those people now have to go through and anybody that's doing it. And if you're listening, call in. I don't care. I'll talk to anybody. But my message to you, if you're the person doing that and you know that you have something, even if you're certain that it's not bad, stay home, go get tested and make sure you're not putting anyone else in needless ex- danger by exposing them. Those may be people that are vulnerable and at risk to spreading it either to themselves or someone else that they care about that has a compromised immune system, whatever it may be. You're acting selfishly if you're one of those people that thinks you have just a slight cold or whatever it is, and you can still go live your life and be around people and put people in danger. Shame on you. That's all I have to say about that. There's no excuse for it, and I'm being a lot harder than you'll hear the public health doctors but you know that we see on the news but i know that that's what they want to say they want to tell everybody wake up and do the right thing be an adult be a responsible citizen and if you feel anything just please stay home stay home monitor your symptoms and go get tested it's simple if we can all take the responsibility to do that we will get this under control by not having to do all these extreme measures but so long as we have people that are that ignorant, then unfortunately we're not going to move forward in this. I don't see why they can't say that. Just come out and say it. I mean, we've been doing this thing months enough. We don't have to, to sugarcoat it or, or tap people on the knee. Just come out and say, you know, stop being douchebags and do exactly what you said. Yeah. If you're if you're symptomatic, I mean, a, 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 one of the kids from my daughter's school had a fever last week. Mom kept her home, got her tested, sure. kept her home for a few more days. No, she didn't have COVID, but she did the right thing. It's not that sure. big a deal. But- And that prevents the spread of anything else. You know what I mean? But when I heard this week from one of my friends who's around a lot of people by the very nature of his work, and he's doing it safely and everything, and when I hear that story where three people had something, it wasn't like they were asymptomatic. No, they had some type of symptom, and they still felt that they should go meet with this person. And to me, that's crazy. I just don't get where people think that they should be able to do that. If you know that you have any symptoms, I don't care how mild you think they are. I don't care if you think, oh, it's the regular seasonal allergies that you've had before. It doesn't matter what you think is the point. It does not matter what you think. It's what you know, and you don't know for sure that you don't have COVID-19. So stay home. Stay home, monitor, get tested, and then once you're deemed to be safe, then get back out there. Is it really that hard for each of us to say as a responsible citizen for myself and for the people around me that I will take that on? I'm going to take that on and do that. I am pledging that I as an individual will do that. John, you as an individual will do that. I'll make sure that my family does that. I'll make sure that my loved ones do that. I'll you know, hold my friends accountable. We all have to be holding one another accountable. There's even been, I had a case where someone from work at Pitpoint Health called me and said, hey, uh-huh. I was just around somebody 
who, um, you know, the next day they tested positive because the day after I met for, met with them, they started feeling something. And he said, you know, I'm going to cancel all my patients. I'm going to go get a COVID-19 test and I won't be back until he was totally asymptomatic. But he said, I'm not going to come back until I know that I'm I, I, everything's OK. That's a responsible human being. That's a responsible citizen. He is doing the right thing. We all have that to do right now. It, it falls upon each of us to do that. And if you're not doing that, again, shame on you. Yeah, you know, and it's uh, with the uh, with the coming of cold and flu season, people are going to do exactly what you said. Nah, man, it's just seasonal cold. I've had this a million times. I'm I'm good. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna hang care, out and wait for it to pass. And, you, and I, know I know you agree with me. I don't care if that's what people think. They need to start doing the right things. And you know what? I encourage others to hold your friends, your family, people that you know accountable. Right? If you see somebody that you know is somewhere like like what my friend did with that other person the minute that they said they had a loss of taste and smell he said whoa, whoa, whoa you got to leave and you got to go quarantine you got to go get taste tested hold people accountable to that you can do it in a very respectful way i'm not encouraging people to go crazy and like you know start fights but do that in a very professional respectful way but hold people accountable and you know what you don't have to it's not even people that you don't know but if you start with your friends and your family and we all start with that mentality, then again, we're going to see these numbers go down by the very nature that we do the right things. But because everybody's taking this in, in such a laissez-faire, I shouldn't say everybody, but when you have people like this taking it in such a laissez-faire approach, you're ruining it for all of us. And if you don't care, that's one thing. But other people care. And for other people, this is dangerous. And, and it just, again, it falls on each one of us to do the right thing. Let's take a, a short break. We have lots more to go here. We're going to switch over to uh, to pain and injury. The phone lines are open, by the way. If you got a comment on any of this or anything else having to do with your uh, your own health concerns, four one six. 4-1-6-8-7-0-6-4-1-6-8-7-0-6-4-1-6-4-1-6-4-1-6-4-1-6-4-1-6-4-1-6-4-1-6-4-1-6-4-1-6-4-1-6-4-1-6-4-1-6-
sort of to, to shift focus here in terms of, of, you know, still related, I guess, to COVID-19 is, is how healthcare has been put on hold and specifically pain and injury problems. A lot of um, you and I yesterday were sort of talking about uh, elective surgeries and, and that that nomenclature is a bit of a, a misnomer in the sense that you think like, okay, that must mean just elective things like, you know, I wanted to get my, you know, my lips, uh, you know, beefed up or whatever you got to tell me it's not that, right? Elective surgery also means um, things like joint replacement. And, and, you know, you and I were speaking about, and I gave the example that, you know, you could sit there and say, hey, well, okay, somebody needs a knee replacement, but that's not life or death, right? But you've got to take it a step further because you can't just look at that one instance of a knee replacement. Someone who has severe bone-on-bone osteoarthritis of their knee, they're likely older, right, because osteoarthritis correlates very much with age. So you're talking someone who might be, you know, in their early 70s who now all of a sudden can't walk because of how bad their knee has become and, and because their elective surgery had been postponed, they're now sort of not bedridden but chair-ridden. Like they can't move around, they can't do the things they, that they need to do. At that age, I mean, it doesn't take a doctor to know. Do you think that that's good for that person's cardiovascular system and their overall um, health? No, that person needs to be moving around. They need to be getting their blood flow. Like, as you get older, your your vessels are, are more likely to become sclerotic in the sense that blood flow decreases. And again, the, the dangers of that are so much more than just not having a knee surgery, that may actually predispose somebody to an early death by, by the very nature that all of a sudden they can't move around, their pain levels are so bad, and they're stuck in their chair, they can't, you know, they're not doing anything, and, and their cardiovascular health now takes a hit on that. That's not good. And so where we come in as Pinpoint Health is we provide a lot of conservative and minim- minimally invasive um, procedures for pain and injury management. Um, so someone like that, you know, we can be providing conservative care in the form of therapy, maybe injections, things like that to get them through that period until they can get back to their elective surgery. So it's really, really important that people realize that this term elective surgery doesn't mean something that's not important. It, in fact, can mean very important things for some individuals. And you know, the system already has its issues in terms of backlogs. We know that, right? We already knew that prior to COVID, that these things were not fast. It wasn't like you needed a knee replacement and you got it in a week, right? There were still months and months, sometimes a, a year wait list to dev- do these types of things. We're now compounding that even further. And that's a really dangerous thing. So, you know, in the clinic setting and the conservative clinic uh, setting like Pinpoint Health, we've actually seen an uptick in our patient base um, because people need other options. And so if you're one of those people that's looking for, and I'm, and I'm you know, broadly using the example of, of a knee surgery, but there's lots of different examples of this, lots of different things that have been postponed. You need to be managing that. The worst thing you can do is do nothing. And if you're doing nothing, that's where you're going to expedite all of those other problems like I gave in my, my hypothetical scenario there, that that can lead to to more serious problems so you've got to be doing something and again i don't like to make this show an infomercial to say you've got to come to pinpoint health i think for the last you know five years that i've been doing this i've tried to be very impartial to say 
just go get your health care. Do it somewhere that you trust, somewhere that's good. I've, I've a lot of times taken people through red flags, things that you want to look for to know whether you're going to the right place or the wrong place. And I'm always happy to provide that. I, I'm not sitting here saying it's got to be pinpoint health, but just don't put your health on hold. Another reason why I continue doing this show is that same reason. I have the opportunity to guide people, and I do it every Saturday where people call in and I guide them. I had a call, as an example, this week from someone who has um, nerve pain as a result of multiple rounds of chemotherapy that they had done. And, you know, I had a conversation with this person and told them we are not the right clinic for that. Right. We, I, you know, as we went through it, I said, no, we, we're not the right clinic, but here's what I think you should do. And, and I sort of provided a plan in terms of, of who they should speak to, where they should look to go for something like that. And, and that's just done because I really want to make sure that people are on the right path towards their health and wellness. And, and, and it's so hard to navigate this sector, right? This isn't simple. And I buy no means know everything but at the very least i think you know i'm going to know more than the average person and if i if i can be a resource for people who listen to this show who sort of need to learn how do i navigate this better i've even had conversations with people where i just am and sort of coaching them on here's what i think you should ask your doctor and yeah. and sort of do those types of things and, and we've gone through this so i think it's really important if anybody's listening now i'm happy to take calls, that's the primary reason for the show, is if you've got pain and injury issues and you're just looking for some guidance, give us a call. The phone lines are open. I mean, I don't have the call log in front of me, so we may even have calls waiting. I'm not sure. But that's what I really love to do more than anything, is if I can provide value to somebody in the, in the form of information, um, that's really my biggest goal. And, um, you know, I had another patient earlier in the week where I went through a lot of things with her, and when we walked out, um, she basically said no one's really provided this much education around what I have going on. And I told her, I said, you know, like, I'm not on the radio to sell that I have some special tool or something like that or some miracle cure. The only thing that I can tell everybody is that I really spend a lot of time going through what's wrong with you, what you can do, what your prognosis is, all those things. For me, it's really about two things. It's education and empowerment, which, you know, the show should almost be called the, edu the, the Health Education and Empowerment Hour, because that's really what it's about. And it doesn't matter what you have going on. If you have those two tools, the research, the efficacy around that shows you will do better. You will do better with whatever it is that you have. Education and empowerment are two very underutilized things in healthcare, but they're so extremely important. They consistently show up as two of the most important things in terms of, of getting better, getting what you need, and understanding um, how to deal with it. Again, phone lines are open and available for you to call through uh, for yourself or on behalf of a family member or a pal who's just got a question, 416-870-6400, 416-870-6400 is a way to do that. Info at pinpointhealth.ca is the uh, email address as well. Seasonal stuff is going to be creeping up pretty soon, right? I'm not talking just flus and stuff like that, but I'm talking slips and falls, snow shoveling, bad backs, all that stuff is going to be flooding into your clinics, I would imagine very shortly and i know you guys are already getting prepared for it right oh yeah once that stuff starts happening we also will start to see it now with like raking leaves which obviously isn't as strenuous as um shoveling but when you think about it like typically when people are raking leaves they're raking them into a pile and then they're bending over and putting them in and that repetitive movement also the other big thing to consider in terms of pain and injury management is this season where you've got 
temperature fluctuations, right? Like yesterday we were at 24 degrees and then, you know, it fell down to like six degrees or whatever it was. Yeah. And, and those things like, and you know, it's incredible because if you don't think that that has an effect on your body, like I always tell people, and it's sort of a crude example, but if you took a piece of meat, right? And you cause those temperature alterations and then you wait a little bit and see what happens to that meat. It's not pretty. It's not, yeah. it's not going to be no nice. Kidding. And, and and really, at the end of the day, that's what we are. We're a big slab of meat. We have a lot of tissue, and and we and that's one of the things in our climate here in in Ontario. What we go through, we go through these big fluctuations at these points in the year where we're not dealing with a sort of consistent temperature. We're getting some days that are you know really damp and humid, and other days that are dry, and then some days the temperature's high, and then some days it's really low, and then you've got frost. That has an effect on our bodies as well, especially when we get out there to start, you know, doing things, whether it's raking leaves and picking them up, uh, you know, the fall, the, the fall sort of cleanup that people will do. And then again, moving into winter um, when, when we start getting our first snowfalls and people will start shoveling and doing those things. Those are all um, areas where people will, will hurt themselves and they've got to and they've got to get it treated. So, yeah, we, we're always ready for that at the time of the year. The biggest thing we try to do is, is also try to tell people how to prevent those things, right? So there's a lot of resources on, on how you should do that. You know, these, these resources are much better visually than they are me explaining it over the radio. But, you know, that's the type of stuff that you can find, um, uh, you know, even checking out our social media, whether it's Pinpoint Health or my, my page on, on Dr. Lou, um, you know, those are the types of things that we'll provide is, is how you should be doing those things um, in a way that sort of does its best to prevent injury. And even if it doesn't fully prevent it, at the very least mitigating how long it'll last, the intensity of it, there are things that can be done for sure. And also in 2020, like, we have a lot of resources, right? Like there, there's blowers that you can buy instead of rakes. Now that's different because it depends on people's afford, what people can afford and things like that. Snow blowers versus shovels, et cetera. Um, so definitely those things can, can help minimize those tools will also um, help minimize um, that, that, uh, that level of uh, yeah. strain that might happen to the body. Want to get to a couple calls here? Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. Ramish, you are uh, you're up first. Good morning. How are you? Not too bad. I have a question for the doctor. Sure. I have been uh, I've been to my uh, general practitioner uh, regarding pain in the heel, but I also right. noticed from from the kneecap going down, the leg is swollen in a few places. I've been massaging it. Uh, he mentioned plantar fasciitis. But, okay. Uh, I am still suffering with this pain every time I walk and you step on the heel. It's very painful. And what what did your general practitioner recommend in terms of treatment? So he, it sounds like they've told you what they think it is, but what what was the recommendation for for management? He told me to go see a foot specialist. Okay. Yeah, that's not yeah like a chiropodist. That's not a bad recommendation. Have you have you sought that out? Uh, I'm just waiting on a callback uh, regarding appointment. Okay. Yeah, so to me, you're sort of on the right track, right? Like, it's going to take you seeing an expert, and a chiropodist is definitely uh, someone that can specialize in that. Physios, chiros, uh, also with pain in the foot, are 
are are well equipped. Um, a lot of the times, the chiropodist may be dealing more with you know deformities of the foot and and nail issues and whatever. But they're they're also well equipped to deal with pain management in the foot. Um, you know, the one thing that I'll caution around uh, plantar fasciitis is a lot of times out there, the first recommendation is just get a pair of orthotics. Um, that's not always the best recommendation in my opinion and what I've seen in the research. Uh, a lot of the times really it's more about getting it treated and then an orthotic may be part of the management in terms of holding an effect, uh, but, but you've got to be cautious with that. So that's what I would say. You're, you're on the right track, right? That you're doing the right thing. My concern was that they would have told you do nothing, right? And that's always the wrong recommendation. And I hear that all too often where someone has seen um, a general practitioner or a walk-in doctor, and they've just told them to wait it out. Physical problems often need a physical intervention. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's the right approach in terms of, um, you know, sort of some self-care that you can do in the meantime. Right. It's difficult to say because you're always walking, right? And you never give that area uh, a time to heal. Now, the other thing that, that I'm cautious with every time I hear this is, not all heel pain is plantar fasciitis. And, I, and that's always what I hear people say, oh, you know, I've got heel pain and I was told it's plantar fasciitis. It's definitely the most common, but it's not the only thing. So that's also what the specialist, the foot specialist, will, will be able to help with in narrowing down. Is it actually that or could it be something else? And that's really important because the right diagnosis is what will predicate the right treatment. Um, so it sounds like you're on the right path. Um, and, and, you know, Again, pinpoint help is available, but if you're already in the queue for a referral somewhere else, that's that's good. It shouldn't take you that long to get in, so I'm not really sure why the long wait. Uh, but yeah. you know, if you don't hear from someone, um, you may want to call that office or or, or seek out someone else. Ramesh, appreciate the call, pal. we got to let you go. Sorry, man, got a break. Uh, in the meantime, you want to reach out to Dr. Lou. Sorry to cut you off. one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U, 1-855-55-DR-LOU. I see Ben. I see Dave. The guys are all hanging on. So we'll get to your calls after a short break. Got time for you, too. 416-870-6400. Pinpoint Health Show, Global News Radio. And welcome back to the Pinpoint House Show. 416-870-6400 is the number. If you get on the phone line, stand by. We will get to you in that regard. Uh, first up now will be uh, Ben. Ben, thank you so much for standing by. How are you this morning? Uh, fine, thank you. Uh, you good morning, doctor. Uh, good morning. About 12 years ago, I had a knee replacement at uh, Wellesley Hospital. And okay. uh, about... Uh, I made an appointment because in the past year I was having some pain and it was, my limping was getting very bad, so I wanted them to double-check my knee. So I finally got an appointment. It took a couple of months to get an appointment, and unfortunately my appointment ended up at the peak of COVID. Hmm. So they did, they did take me in. They did some examination, took some x-rays, and they said, well, we think you're still okay, but at yeah. this point we can't do anything for you. So right. I'm I'm kind of stuck now because I'm limping a lot lot more than I used to, and by the end of the day, my knee is very very sore. So I'm putting creams on it, I'm taking Advil, but you know those are not working for me very very well anymore. Yeah. So so yeah. Thank you for the question. So 
on average, uh, those mechanical parts, whether it's a knee replacement or hip replacement, on average, they last 15 years, right? So that means some will be more, some will be less, but an average. So you're, you're pretty close to that average, number one, right? So the, the important thing, number one, to realize is that these mechanical parts do have a, a certain lifespan on them. They're not, they're not indefinite. That's number one. I, I, work two, in, I, I work in construction, so I do a lot of walking and climbing up. And right, exactly. So, so you're probably, and that's the average matters also based on what you do. So you're probably more towards the average that would be on the, the lower end. So it, it sounds like it's a combination uh, of that. The next thing that you need to consider is, you know, they've s sort of looked at you and said, okay, we think you're okay right now. You really have very limited options at this point. Usually in this type of scenario, if, you, if you're not going to redo it right now, the one thing that I think works really well and that the research supports is really strengthening those muscles as much as possible with rehabilitation. So that, like, the passive intervention of massage and just, like, you know, machines or whatever to try to soothe the pain might be part of it, but most importantly what needs to be done is a good strengthening program to get those muscles as strong as possible to mitigate a lot of that pain and buy you more time, right? But, but that's the important thing. You're buying more time. This is, this is a mechanical piece. It won't last forever. Um, and if you're using it a lot because you have an active job and whatever, then, then your time is, is even more limited. But I'd say in the scenario that you're sort of saying to me, my, my recommendation would lean towards a strengthening program right now, a really good rehabilitation program that does its best to strengthen that leg, uh, both of your knees actually, as much as possible to sort of help mitigate a lot of what you're feeling and then buy you some more time before having to replace the joint again. As an average, I was going to the gym uh, about three times a week, and I felt a lot better when I was doing exercises on my exactly. leg. Not strenuous exercises, but then no. the, the gym closed for a couple of months, and then it yeah. started coming so back. This is, this is the important thing about rehabilitation is it, it doesn't need to be in a gym setting. I, I mean, I could I could sit with you, and I could give you a dozen exercises that you could do at home. So. Um, you know, that I see what you're saying. The gym is important, but we can also work on this specific type of, of thing in a home setting with, with some very simple things. So um, either see a professional that you've already worked with, like a physio or a chiro, or, you know, go see somebody or come see us. You can always give us a call, and I'm happy to set you up with somebody to, to work you through a plan on what you need to do that you can do at home. Thank you very much, Dr. No You've been very helpful. Uh, all the best. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Ben. Enjoy the uh, the rest of your weekend. Thanks for uh, for taking the time to call through 416-870-6400 and to reach out to Dr. Lou and, and get some more help, of course, one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U. Moving on to uh, Dave now. Dave, thanks so much for uh, for standing by. It's uh, it's your time, pal. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing today? Great, man. Good. What's uh, What's going on in your world? So I'm a uh, painting contractor, so my hands are always over my head. And um, I've got a, what the doctors called a spur. It was a small spur in one of my shoulders. And it bothers me at certain times of the year. It gets worse than other times of the year. But um, I declined to do surgery a bunch of years ago just basically because I chickened out. Um, but it seems to be getting worse again now. And it's at nighttime, it's just a nightmare to sleep with. So what do you recommend? Yeah, so it's a t number one, 
throughout my schooling, so for about 10 years, I painted in the summer, so I can totally appreciate with a painting company, so I can totally appreciate what you're going through, uh, just because I've done it before and I know how strenuous it is. Um, when you say that there's spurs, that likely means that there's degeneration in that shoulder because that's why spurring happens. The reality, if that spur is pressing on something or causing an impingement, there's really nothing except the surgery that will get rid of it, right? So that's a really, really important thing. Now you could try, again, Anytime some, where, some, where somewhere surgery is the option, you can always try conservative care, like I mentioned to the previous caller, about a strengthening program, trying to get more mobility, trying to create you know, therapy in terms of trying to do things better. It, it's not going to be a perfect solution, but it might be a solution that, you know, again, buys you time. I would encourage you to also be following up with that surgeon, whoever you saw previously, see where it's at now, have new x-rays, See if it's progressed, um, and then you know, consider if, if it's an option, you may need to consider it, right? Um, in What's terms the recovery of recovery for a surgery like that, is that the other thing? I run a business, right? So I can't be down. Yeah, no, and mm -hmm. like, listen, our our job is I, I get what you're you're saying, but our job is really to make the best recommendations on the health issue. How that fits into your life is where you've got to make the recommendations. But that's where I would say, you know, you may want to consider. A, therapy, a therapeutic program first of, of, of therapy with rehabilitation, see if that could provide you any relief or enough relief. And if that doesn't work, then consider potentially the surgery. In terms of the recovery time around surgery, it depends on so many different things. Right? It's not something yeah. that I could answer. I need to know exactly what's going on with your shoulder, the specifics about your overall health. Uh, but, you know, surgeries take time to heal after the surgery. And the reality about surgery is you'll have to do therapy after anyways, right? So because you've got to get the strength and the mobility back. So uh, it might be worth trying that first. It's also the, the important thing that people need to know, we always think of rehabilitation after surgery. The idea of prehabilitation, which is getting your shoulder or any body part as strong as possible prior to a surgery is, is really important in terms of overall recovery as well. Dave, Good thanks, pal. We got to uh, got to roll again. We're just running a bit late. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. Pinpoint Health Show continues. Global News Radio. And welcome back. Still a few minutes to go here. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. In that regard, want to uh, slide over to uh, to George. Hey, George. Thanks for standing by. Good Good morning. How are you? Good morning. How you doing? Um, Good. What's I have a problem I've had now for since uh, November fourteenth uh, last year. Uh, Problem with my back's uh, bulging disc, hernia disc stenosis, and in uh, the sciatica. Okay. Um, still bothering me. I just started back to work about a couple weeks ago. Still pain. I take Tylenol three. Is there something that can be done on this? Like I've been doing physio and I've been doing uh, strength uh, strengthening of the core there. Now you've been diagnosed with stenosis. Yes. How old are you? Um, 57. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to say, right? Like, I, I feel like this is one of those things where you need a proper assessment in terms of exactly understanding what the exact problem is because you've said a lot of things there, bulging discs, uh, stenosis. Yeah. It's, it's more about figuring out which one of those is the clinical problem. Um, and then second of all, when you say you've done therapy and stuff, it's really about going into, well, what type of therapy? So, you know, unfortunately, and this by no means is your case. I'm just using this sort of as a right. springboard 
uh, in terms of the way my thought process goes. I've seen people where it's like they have a problem with their back and they are doing an exercise program. And then, but they're doing, you know, so as an example, the exercise program for a disc issue is very Mm -hmm. different than what the exercise program would be for a stenosis issue, right? Right, right. If you're doing something, let's say, tailored towards the disc, well, then it's going to be no surprise to me why symptomatically you're worse for your stenosis. So it's really important in terms of, and this is a problem that I, again, see all too often with that come from physios and chiros where I see this, where where it's like the, the intention is right in terms of getting the person on a rehabilitation program, but it's like it's the wrong rehabilitation program because right. that it really depends. And so, and it's not always clear because... You know, the other problem is you saying that you have stenosis and that you have disc bulge likely came from imaging of some sort. That doesn't necessarily mean that that is clinically what's causing your symptoms. I see that all the time. The correlation between what's on an MRI or an X-ray and what the person feels is about 50-50. That's based on literature, the scientific evidence. That's not my opinion. So it's really important that you try to see how those two things match up over one another. And, and that's a lot of what the assessment is for. So it, it's hard to say, like, you know, exactly what you need to be doing because I would need to divulge into what exactly is going on, what exactly you've been doing, and is there a way to modify it or whatever. The, the other thing to remember about low back pain like that is it's a management right. issue. So the expectation of cure has got to go sort of out the window, but what can you do to get it at a manageable level that doesn't interfere with your day-to-day life or is minimally interfering with it, and, and, and right. also what you're doing at home alone. And the point that I'm making is it's, it's more complicated than just a quick soundbite on the radio. Um, but you no, can give me a that. call, and, and, uh, and, and we can have a look at that. Yeah, if I can uh, find out from you guys, because uh, it's better than it was a year ago. Um, you know, I'm moving more and more. I take Tylenol threes once in a while. And, you know, I take yeah. like two I'll, or I'll have someone for them. Have someone call you and 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 set something up. How's that sound? So, yeah, you got my number. That'll be great. Yeah, if you left sure do. Call, call screener, we have yep. it. Beautiful. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. No problem. No problem. Thanks, Polly. Appreciate it, pal, and uh, stay safe and enjoy the rest of your weekend. Uh, you still got too, a couple guys. minutes here. Yeah, man, you bet. Uh, 416-870-6400, last couple minutes of the show here to call in. And that's that's an important thing, especially when it comes to uh, to lower back. It is so much about management. God, tell me about it. I've been doing it for 35 years, dealing with a bad back. But it's it's a manage- it's it's about, as you've said, is keeping on top of your exercising, doing doing what's recommended, and it's just become it has to become part of your daily lifestyle, like brushing your teeth and eating your breakfast. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and you're a good example, John. There are times, like in the years that I've known you, there's times where it's absolutely horrible and it interferes with your life and the things you want to do. And then there's times in your life because you've managed it well, it mostly doesn't interfere. So that's what a lot of low back pain isn't, or is, sorry. So the idea that, like, you know, it should be completely gone, it should never rear its ugly head, unfortunately, it's not, it's not realistic. Um, and so much of it is how can you do it so that when you look at the overall average picture, more than not, you're doing well. And then, yeah, of course, you, I have my low back pain issues, neck issues, and it's the same thing. I'm sitting here today. I'm totally fine. And I'll probably sit here, you know, for the next months and whatever and be fine. And then all of a sudden I get exacerbations. But I do the right stuff every day. I do the right stuff when it's exacerbated and I get it under control. And that's really what a lot of these pain and injury issues are. And, 
you know, I used in that in that example the the conversation around not all rehabilitation is equal, and not all rehabilitation is beneficial if you're doing it for the wrong thing. So again, that takes us back to the, my core, you know, rule, my my sort of rule number one, which is the right diagnosis. What is it that is causing your pain? Once you know that that's the treatment that will predicate the right treatment the right intervention not all of them are beneficial not all are created equal and that's a lot of the times what's missing that's also why self-diagnosis is dangerous because you think it's something that it's not um and so you know again the the messaging is get the professionals and and in that case he was getting a professional to look at it but you know unfortunately not all professionals are created equally either that's a good way to uh, to leave it off for today, brother. And in that regard, you want to reach out, advise you do every time to Dr. Lou and his team. You can do so, info at pinpointhealth.ca. The website, the clinics are always expanding. They are treating with full uh, COVID uh, uh, principles in place. So it's, it's safe. It's ready to go. You want to reach out, one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U is the phone number. Make that appointment, get an assessment, have a chat anyway. And anytime you want to check out the podcast, long form, the Lou down is what you want to search where you find your favorite podcast. We'll reconvene and do it again next Saturday here, Pinpoint Health Show, Global News Radio. The preceding program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.